let's go to Proverbs and read today. We're going to be looking at the wisdom of words. Uh, and Joel will be bringing the word to us in just a moment about words. But let's listen to a few Proverbs together uh, to kind of prepare us. Proverbs, uh, you've got them in the order of service there. I haven't got the, nu- the numbers here, but it's somewhere in Proverbs. You can trust me. This is from the Bible. It's up there. There you go. Hallelujah. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. And then Proverbs 13, 2 to 3. From the fruit of their lips, people can enjoy good things, but the unfaithful have an appetite for violence. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. In Proverbs 18, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. When wickedness comes, so does contempt, and with shame comes reproach. The words of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the innocent of justice. The lips of fools brings them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. We love gobbling up gossip. Joel, let me pray for you as you come up. Lord, thank you for Joel, and Lord, we bless him and thank you for his preparation. Thank you that he's put aside time this week as he's a teacher, a father, a dad. Thank you for him preparing this word, Lord. Bless him and strengthen him in Christ. Help our hearts to be open to your word. Lord, I believe you have something to say to us all about this topic today. I know you have something to say to me, so bless Joel as he brings the word. Amen. On, no, yes. Aha, hello. Um, Hi. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Yes, um, my name is Joel, and I'm talking to us today about the wisdom of words. As a language teacher, words are very important to me, and as as an English teacher, I do understand the importance and the power of words, and so I was thrilled when I um, was given this topic to talk about. Um, Also, being a teacher, having been on school holidays for a while now, I haven't given anyone a worksheet in quite a long time, so I thought... (laughs) I really needed to get that out of my system before we get back into school. Um, So yes, we're going to look at what the book of Proverbs has to say to us about words. But in classic Joel fashion, I'm going to start not talking about Proverbs, but something else, specifically ships. Um, (laughs) From uh, from James, and in your handout you've got the full passage um, printed out here. I'm just reading out the bits in bold. In James, we read about ships. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So the first point that uh, I'm, I want to make today is that the tongue is powerful to hurt 
and to heal, to create, and to destroy. That's in that little box there under the (laughs) James passage. So how powerful is the tongue? Well, as the old saying goes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but the tongue has the power of life and death. (laughs) The uh, writers of the book of Proverbs took words very, very seriously because through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. And we're going to come up to this point a few times as we go through that to destroy, we don't need weapons, we don't need political power, we don't need physical strength. All we need is words. That's not advice, by the way, that's a warning. Um, And again, we read in James, he continues on, the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. James takes this very seriously as well, that our words are powerful not only to destroy others, but ourselves. Another tangent, I'm going to lead us down the garden path a little bit. Um, This is not a picture of my front garden. Um, It's it's a different one, but it's there to illustrate a point. Um, In in our front yard, there's a garden bed, and when we first um, put it in there, it was just full of soil and nothing else. And somehow, amazingly, this may surprise some of you, even though we didn't put them there, all these weeds started appearing (laughs) in the garden bed, especially when it rained. They just popped up seemingly overnight, and so we had to pull out the weeds as quickly as we could. We had to be very vigilant because in Mount Barker, it rains constantly, um, particularly in the winter, and so no sooner had we pulled out all the weeds that it was completely full again, or at least that's how it seemed to us. Um, But then one day, we decided to um, plant some agapanthus, around uh, one of the edges in that garden bed. And when they became established, astoundingly, maybe not to you, but to me, um, the weeds, they slowed down. They didn't completely stop, but they did slow down. They became more manageable. They weren't as um, prolific. And our hearts are like that garden bed, that we have these weeds of sin and of folly and of bad habits that pop up again and again and again. And the more we pull them out, I mean, good to pull them out, but they just keep coming back. So what do we need to do is uh, plant something good in their place. So our first point was ships. Our second point was garden. First point... The tongue is powerful to hurt, to heal, to create, and to destroy. Second point, don't just pull out the weeds, crowd them out. And we're going to bring those two points together in thinking about how we speak, thinking about our habits of speech. So in terms of of our words, what are the weeds that we need to be wary of? Consider whether any of these are habits or patterns in your own life that need to be dealt with. The book of Proverbs is meant to be, among other things, a mirror that points at your own foolishness. So allow that to happen. As uncomfortable it is, allow the book of Proverbs to open up your heart. 
So what are these weeds? Well, um, the first one I want to talk about is the kind of overarching idea of what's wrong with using words foolishly. We can destroy people with our words. With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbours. As I said before, we don't need weapons. In fact, it's probably good if you don't have any in your home. But you can, if you're not careful, destroy people with your words. The second one, this one kind of surprised me until I thought about it a bit. Empty flattery. Those who flatter their neighbours are spreading nets for their feet. Now, how can that be? You're flattering someone. You're saying nice things to them. You're making them feel good about themselves. What could be wrong with that? Um, And then I thought about um, a TV show like Australian Idol. Um, If you've ever seen that show, I'm 100% certain that some of the people who go on to that show have been told by their friends and family that they're excellent singers. And... Through the process of humiliating themselves on live, well, not live, on television, they've discovered that actually they've been lied to. And that's crushing. That's crushing to a person to tell them positive but untrue things about themselves. Um, there's another proverb that says, and we'll get back to this point a bit later, that the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Uh, The next one is lies. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is one who gives false testimony against a neighbor. Has anyone ever lied about you? Did that not feel like being stabbed through the heart? That's all I'll say about that. Next one, gossip and slander. This one is one of the more socially acceptable weeds. That's the metaphor I'm going to keep using. Um, Whoever would foster love covers an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. In the teaching world, gossip is rife everywhere. Um, We'll sit in our office and people will say, did you hear what so-and-so said the other day? Do you know what they're doing? Have you heard what's happening over in that other office? It's awful, and it's awful because it fosters hatred, it fosters division, it fosters strife. It causes us to see people in a way that is unloving. Opening up old wounds just makes them bleed. It doesn't heal them. And the next one is angry speech. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. If you are in a heightened state of emotion, you need to be more careful with the words that you use. We tend to be less careful. But when we're in a heightened state of emotion, as we all know, we've all done this, you'll say things you don't mean. You'll say things that you'll regret. You'll say things that hurt people. And so when we are angry, what a more, um, I can't think of a more important time to speak in love. It's when you don't feel it. And finally, perverse speech. One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. That's, that's just a general warning of cleaning up your language. It doesn't just mean delete certain words from your vocabulary, but consider how you speak about people and about things. And so I am convicted by some of the things in this list. Not all of them. And, and I think you'll find it's the same with you, that there are some things you look at and you think, I don't really do that. Good. Continue not doing that, but there'll be some things on this list that um, you'll see in your own life, and hopefully, it's going to sound weird, but hopefully you feel a bit bad about that, because if you are acting foolishly, if you are acting sinfully, the correct emotional response is guilt and shame.
but we don't end there. And we'll um, go on a little bit later to talk about what to do with that. But before we do, um, back to James. Um, James paints a picture here which um, is really, he seems kind of confused, but also really sad about this truth. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Um, we've just been singing together and praising God with our lips. And then what happens once we leave here out of this building? Are we speaking in the same way? So what are the consequences of allowing these weeds to grow in our lives? Um, well, again, in Proverbs, it says, The mouth of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. This isn't just about how you're hurting other people, though it is that. It's also about how you are hurting yourself through the words that you use. And in, in Matthew, Jesus says, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted and by your words you'll be condemned. Jesus took this just as seriously as the Proverbs do and just as seriously as James does. Now, this is the point where I would start to give you some good news, but now I'm going to make it worse. Um, because the bad news gets worse because we live in a different time to what Jesus did and James did and the writers of Proverbs did. We live in the age of the internet. How easy is it to hurt dozens, possibly hundreds, or even thousands of people with just a few careless words posted on the internet? These weeds that I'm talking about, they don't just pop up in our one-on-one -on -one interactions anymore. They don't just pop up in our local community. No, any of us can reach a huge group of people just by touching a device that most of us keep in our pockets. If we have bad habits regarding the words that we use, we can potentially do a lot of damage. Um, and I want to labor this point because I think you know what I'm talking about, but um, just here's one example. Um, I know people, and I'm sure you do as well, some of you may be that person, I may be that person, who will say very kind things, and then suddenly, with the pseudo-anonymity of the internet, will say very, very unkind things. Um, consider, for example, how people speak about politicians. Believe it or not, they are people too. <laughs> And the way that I see people talking about um, our Prime Minister on the internet, whether or not you like him, whether or not you agree with him, is not the point. The point is, the foolishness of the way that people approach this topic is heartbreaking. So what do we do? Step one is we need to put to death the bad habits that are in our lives and replace them with good ones. That's step two. Colossians 3 talks about this. I won't quote it here. You can look that up later if you want to. Um, wait, but Tom Wright, he summarizes it like this. He says, if you don't kill them, the bad habits, the weeds, then they will kill you. Our words are so powerful that it isn't enough, though, just to weed them out, all these sinful and foolish habits of speech. Rather, we need to crowd them out by replacing them 
with wisdom. And this is where we get to our definition of wisdom we've been working with over the past few weeks. Nick has um, mentioned this uh, for three weeks now, I believe. Um, so wisdom can be thought of as embodied knowledge lived skillfully and wholeheartedly. It's choosing the right thing to do and say at the right time. It's applying knowledge appropriately. Um, you'll note in there that there is this idea of a situational wisdom where um, what's wise in one circumstance with one person may be foolish in another circumstance with another person. Um, so we need to not only understand the principles that we're talking about, but we need to understand the situation we're in. We need to understand the people that we're dealing with. And the, the longer definitions um, from Dr. Roy Zuck and Tremper Longman, respectively. Wisdom means being skillful and successful in one's relationships and responsibilities, observing and following the creator's principles of order in the moral universe. And wisdom is the skill of living. It is a practical knowledge that helps one know how to act and how to speak in different situations. Wisdom entails the ability to avoid problems and the skill to handle them when they present themselves. So I'm going to emphasize the point that wisdom is a skill um, in what I'm talking about here. Um, so how does a wise person speak then? As I've said, it will differ from situation to situation, but here are some examples of wise ways of speaking. Wise words encourage. Um, in Proverbs, we read, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Um, there was a very wise man in the first century. You may have heard of him. His name is Jesus. And he was uh, an encourager. He, and I want to give you an example of what that looked like in, in Jesus' life. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus embodied this wisdom of encouraging people when they needed it. But Jesus was also wise enough to know that that's not the only thing that people needed. Um, some people like to think that um, we should always be encouraging, we should always be uplifting. Um, not the case. <laughs> we'll get to some other things in a minute, but um, before that, wise words also bless. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Um, Jesus was a man who blessed many people. Um, I'll just give one example. When he was talking to um, Zacchaeus, who had him over to his home, Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He knew that that's what Zacchaeus needed in that moment. He needed to be blessed, and so that's what he gave him. Um, what else do wise words do? Wise words advocate. In Proverbs, we read, Open your mouth for the dumb, for the rights of the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. Sometimes that'll mean that you need to be a bit more forceful with your words in a, an appropriate way for the situation. Um, Jesus was an advocate for people who needed it. Here's one example uh, where there was a, a woman who washed his feet with her tears and uh, anointed them with, with uh, perfume, the people he was with said, Jesus, don't you know who this woman is? Like, you should not be dealing with her. But Jesus advocated for her. Um, he said, do you see this woman? Her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. This woman couldn't speak for herself. She wasn't given the opportunity. She didn't have the status or the authority. So Jesus gave her a voice by speaking for her. 
And that's something that we need to do sometimes as well. Uh, but the last one I'm going to give, this is where um, sometimes the right thing to do is to not be very nice. Wise words, rebuke. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. And again, like I said before, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. That, I, I just love the way that's worded. Jesus rebuked people very harshly sometimes, and, and we get him particularly talking to the Pharisees, calling them names and pointing out their faults, but I want to give a more gentle example to show that rebuke doesn't have to be mean. Um, when he was at Mary and Martha's house, Martha was busily getting everything ready, cooking and cleaning and washing and doing all the tidying up, and she says, Jesus, what's Mary doing? She's sitting there at your feet. She's not helping. Make her help me. And Jesus says, Martha... Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So, yeah, I just want to point that out, because when we hear the word rebuke, we often think, telling someone off! But sometimes a rebuke can just be a gentle reminder of something. The way of wisdom is knowing what's appropriate in the situation and for the person you're talking to. So we must intentionally develop wisdom as we go through our lives. We need to act like the people that we're going to be in heaven. How do you think we will use our words then? It's not just a change in the words that we use, though. It's a matter of changing our heart and mind. For Jesus said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Uh, another tangent, um, last year I started to, uh, I, I took up fencing, not that kind of fencing, this kind of fencing. It's, I, I love this sport, it's so awkward and weird. You have to, you have to do your on-guard position like this, and you have to keep your knees apart. My coach often has to hit me with his sword, so I stand correctly, and, and you have to move in a particular way, and it's really strange, and, and when I was first doing it, the first time I did it, um, <laughs> I was using muscles I hadn't used in a very long time, and I could barely walk for three days afterwards. Um, I, I did it for about half a year last year, I'll, I'll be going back soon, and, and I found that over time, this position became a bit more comfortable, I could just easily get straight into it, I don't have to think about it. It's... It's funny to look at, but um, it feels more natural. It's becoming a second nature for me. And similarly, um, I'm still not very good. Um, um, I, I'm still, you know, not sure whether I should be advancing or retreating or attacking or defending. Um, you, you kind of pick that up as you go. Um, so the, the thing that I reflect on with that is that the moment I started fencing, I was a fencer. I'm a fencer. Um, but at the same time... What I had to do to become a fencer is try to act like a fencer, if that makes sense. So I had to take on the, the ways of fencing to become the fencer that I want to be. And I'm still not there. I'm still learning and making myself more into the fencer that I would like to be. And our lives are like that as well, that we, uh, th there's this common saying in um, Christianity of a now and a not yet. We are now called righteous in Christ. We are now part of the family and the body of Christ. 
Um, but we're not yet exactly made perfect as we will be one day. And so, like with my weird fencing moves, um, we need to practice acting, and in this case, speaking like the people we will eventually be when we are more perfectly united with Christ, when the presence of God will be unmistakable until it becomes second nature. It's going to feel awkward to bless and encourage people if that's not what you're naturally inclined to do. But the more you do it, the easier it will become. It will feel strange to rebuke someone if you're naturally a very gentle kind of person. But if it needs to be done and you're practicing doing that in the right situations, it will become more natural to you until it becomes second nature. So ultimately, all this means going through the strange and difficult process of learning the skill of living. So those are our three points so far. There's one more to come, and it's a short one, I promise. Point one, the tongue is powerful to hurt, heal, create, and destroy. Point two, don't just pull out the weeds, crowd them out. And point three, change of the heart is difficult, requiring much effort. Um, as I said before, I'm a teacher. I, I like to give homework. Well, I don't like it, but I'm doing it. You have homework. Find your weeds. What are these bad habits, these sinful and foolish patterns of speech that keep coming up in your life? And step two, find something to replace them with. So if you, like me, are the sort of person who naturally tends to use overuse sarcasm in your daily life. This is my homework. Maybe start practicing blessing and encouraging people instead. Or if you're the sort of person who tends to want to go and gossip the moment you hear something, some juicy news, maybe try practicing keeping it to yourself. Practice being silent. Because sometimes that's the wisest thing to do with your words is to not say any. It's going to feel weird, it's going to feel awkward, it's going to feel strange and unnatural, but if you keep doing it, it will become your second nature. Okay, I have one more point to make, and this is a really important one, because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. What I am saying is that it is wise to use our words appropriately. What I am saying is that God wants to turn us into the people who speak wisely. What I'm saying is that in our community, wise words should be uh, the only words that we speak as much as possible. What I am not saying is that because you said that mean thing the other day, God doesn't like you. I'm not saying that. You must never, ever mishear any preacher as saying that. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Um, a quote again from Tom Wright. He says, Jesus shouldered the burden not so much just of sin in the abstract, like in a kind of transaction that took place away from the actual events of his life and death, but rather of the actual weight on our shoulders, the power and results of sin 
uh, human sin and rebellion, the accumulation of the actual human pride, sin, folly, and shame. So that foolishness that made you feel bad about 15 minutes ago, that's on the cross. The wisdom of Proverbs must be read through the lens of grace. It's not meant to make you feel overly burdened, but rather to guide you in wisdom as you navigate through life. So ultimately, point four, our words don't save us. Only Jesus can. All right, one more teachery thing before I go. There's a test. Okay, so point one that had something to do with uh, ships. So the tongue is powerful to... Good. The tongue is powerful to hurt, heal, create, and destroy. Point two, don't just pull out the weeds. Crowd them out. out. Point three, change of the heart is... Difficult. Difficult, requiring much effort. And finally, our words don't save us. And thank God that he does. Amen. Amen. Thank you.